Wake up in the morning, make you two sloppy eggs Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread Have a cup of joe and the next thing that you know It's time for you to hit the road Make my day I like it in the morning Make my day And even in the afternoon Make my day Sometimes in the evening All right, everybody, and welcome back to Make My Day. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm your host, Marcus Brown. It's been a second. I keep taking these long, demoralizing breaks, but on purpose, because you know what happens is I'll get really excited about making a Make My Day, and then I'll make a Make My Day, and then I get exhausted. And then I take a little bit of a break, and I like to relax. I like to take um, you know, a trip to the beach, a trip to the mountain, a trip for camping maybe sometimes, just something to recharge my bats, you know. Uh, speaking of bats, uh, we got got a holiday coming up here and uh it is called halloween i'm excited about it not uh i'm not pumped about the satanic uh, undertones overtones either um but i am happy about it because i have fond memories of growing up uh in a halloween uh friendly household we uh we would walk around the neighborhood and um we'd use a, a pillowcase to pick up the candy from the trip from the trick-or-treating experience and it was a it was a fun time it was a it was a more wholesome time back then i can remember the neighbors kind of knowing each other a little bit more uh no one had any politics yet um they were just doing there wasn't any there wasn't any of that yet so it was a fun time um you know some people in my family would steal my candy and maybe i would steal theirs too and sometimes we would do kind of like a, a fair trade kind of a free market um type exchange of candy as well and uh it just brings back a lot of good memories i hope you guys are doing well what's your favorite halloween memory why don't you email me at make my day show at gmail.com that way i can know what your favorite halloween memory is and i'll read it to myself and i'll keep it to myself because i wouldn't want to disclose that private information over the airwaves without your consent so if you do want me to uh read it out loud over the airwaves i'm probably still not going to do it even if you do give me the consent it might not be that interesting and in order to uh keep the lights on here at make my day studios we're gonna have to keep this show interesting so uh with that uh we got a great show for you today we have alex fulton on the show he is the president and ceo chief captain of Fulton Street Music Group. He's a good friend. I've known him for a long time. He actually produced my EP, my last EP, The Meantime. And uh, you can check that out on Sportify.com, the alternative to Spotify for people who have a proclivity for sports. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Like I said, I'm super pumped to be back. Holiday season, I'm feeling the energy. I hope you're feeling the energy. Uh, Yeah, so let's hit some sports. The wheels have come off the bus for Steve Sarkeesian's Texas Longhorns. Longhorn Nation is supremely disappointed in a disappointing loss to Oklahoma State where Quinn Ewers, quarterback phenom, freshman phenom, went 19-49, of two touchdowns, three interceptions, 319 yards. What the heck's going on? We're going to have to figure that out. Basketball started, uh, and we got the Astros and the Phillies in the MLB World Championships. Thanks so much for watching sports with me today. Well, as I mentioned, we have a special, special holiday coming up called Halloween, Al Hallows Eve. And I know where I'm going to get my supplies for that, other than um, HEB to get candy, 
or CVS to get uh, some other items, you know, um, I'm going to Spirit Halloween. Spirit Halloween's got the greatest selection of all sorts of Halloween products, including poison apples, uh, fake cobwebs, real cobwebs. Uh, Costumes. They got bats. They have uh, it all. So this holiday season, make sure you stop by Spirit Halloween. They got it all. It's that spooky time of year Ghosts and goblins, frights and fears It's the nightmare of your dreams It's Spirit Halloween Headquarters for all your screams It's Spirit Halloween Boo. And now for a limited time only, by three Dracula teeth, get two witch hats at half price off. Well, I just want to take a minute to address safety issues and concerns, maybe give you a little tips and tricks coming up with Halloween. I want you guys to be safe. Almost all trick-or-treat candy has been laced with fentanyl over the last five years that I can remember. And so I want you to make sure that you get your fentanyl strips and you're testing your, your candy. First off, don't put it in your bag if you think it has fentanyl, because then it's going to get fentanyl over all of your candy. Uh, and then make sure that you have enough fentanyl strips to test your candy to make sure that you're not getting any bad candy. Um, just be careful. I also remember there was a story back in the uh, mid-90s of people putting razor blades in apples. So don't have any, don't eat any fruit this holiday season. It's just, it's just too much of a risk. I hope you guys have a great time out there though. And I can't wait to see y'all's costumes. All right, before we get to the interview with Mr. Alex Fulton, let's take a couple calls, see how the community is doing in this community. Caller number one, you're on Make My Day. Yeah, hey, Marcus. Hey. I'm just really struggling. I do support Halloween. I do believe in it. Mm-hmm. But I'm struggling because I don't want to be um, feeding the children unhealthy candies. Mm. And I don't want them to be getting fat mm. um, because that would be unhealthy for their body. Sure. Um, so I was wondering if you have, if you have any ideas on a healthy candy style alternatives. Mm. Maybe something that I could give them that they would enjoy having um, and as a treat instead of candy. So mm. uh, thank Thanks so much. I am going to listen. Yeah, thanks, caller. Um, next time, please leave your name so that we can know who the, uh, you are. Um, yeah, I think one of the better things that you could do is uh, think about think about alternatives, right? What would you want if you weren't going to eat candy? Maybe some beef jerky. Uh, but what I would probably recommend is fruits and veggies. Um, the challenge is with that thing we mentioned earlier, you don't want to be... I told everyone not to eat any fruits and veggies, and but those are what are healthy, right? So candy is not a fruit or veggie, um, but it is not healthy. So we're in a little bit of a uh, catch-22, and um, what I would say is try to look for individually wrapped fruits and vegetables. There are individually wrapped carrots you can buy at the grocery store nowadays, and if not, maybe buy a vacuum sealer, but still, it's gonna be a little bit risky, and I'm not sure that I would trust your vacuum sealed individually wrapped carrot either. Um, again, stay away from apples. They just got a bad reputation. Uh, that's where the word bad apple came from. So yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss too. Maybe you could give them some money, like a dollar per, per, uh, per kid. If they're over 18, maybe give them two bucks, two or three. Uh, but yeah, I'm just as lost as you. I might not even be home because I'll be trick-or-treating myself. So I might just leave out a bucket of quarters or something like that. Yeah, honestly, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. Uh, but good luck figuring it out. And thanks for the call. Caller number two, you're on Make My Day. Yeah, hey, Marcus, this is Colin Stone from Billingsley, Minnesota. Hey. I just have a quick question about 
Uh, what are you thinking about the war of Ukraine mm. and whether you believe that it is something that we should do and if you think that we are at risk of a nuclear war and mm. if so, what should I do to protect myself from the risk of a nuclear war? Well, I thank you so much. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, thanks, Colin. I, uh, yeah, I, I know we have to address this. Uh, I, I'm concerned. I, I don't like war. Uh, I think Putin going in there and doing what he's doing is bad stuff. And uh, I also don't really like seeing all the voices around the world escalating and talking about how nuclear weapons are on the table. So it is indeed a scary time. Not much you can do about it, I don't think, uh, unless you can uh, wrap yourself in like tinfoil or get under a desk like they used to back in the day. Um, I would just say, you know, uh, hope for the best and uh, try not to to worry about it that much. Just watch football a lot um, and be sure to say your prayers every night. Colin, I'm feeling for you. Thanks for the call. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, an interview with Alex Fulton. Actually, I had down as one of the first questions um, for you. Uh, you're a dad. I am a dad. And you're a dad of about two years, right? Just about. Just shy. Just about two years. And you have a son. I do. And what I was going to ask you was, what does it mean to you to be a man? Oh, I like that. Um, that's a great question. And that's something I've, I've been thinking a lot about, actually. One of the things that makes me think about this question a lot is I'm noticing moments now as a dad where it's like I'm, you know, a dad and a husband and a business owner, which means that I have employees who are relying on me to you know, declare a direction and so on. And so it, it, it like, there's this sort of, uh, uh, facilitator role across all of those, um, relationships, um, where, uh, I, lately I've realized how, you know, how like older men, men of a certain generation, like older men, like our grandparents, uh-huh. like, a lot of them are really stoic. Mm-hmm. Like they get really, they don't share their emotions a lot. And I've always wondered, like, how do how do people get like that? And I think, <laughs> I think I'm starting to understand. <laughs> it's suppression, Alex. It is. It's a, it's like well, you know what it is. It's it's like, it's like, kind of in the moment realizing that sharing your emotions is not going to help the situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think like, you know, in terms of, and I don't like that. I don't want that to be what Liam learns. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Katie and I really spend a lot of time focusing on like emotional, um, uh, intelligence and like being able to access your emotions and mm-hmm. share your emotions and you know for it to be okay to be to have whatever emotions you have in the moment mm-hmm. um, and to have healthy outlets for them I think that's one thing that I've been like running up against like I had a stepfather who was like aggressive and sometimes violent and stuff and at my worst moments like I'm about the age that he was when my younger brother was about the age that Liam is. Mm. And I had a moment recently where like, I was just kind of at my wits end with everything. Like at the end of the day, like 
you know, just a lot of stuff had not gone the way that I was just hoping that it had gone. And then like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was uh, my cat um, climbed up on the dining room table and started eating my dinner while I was trying to like quell Liam who was having like a screaming fit. Mm -hmm. And I just saw it and like, I had just made this, like I just made steak yeah. and like I'd made a nice dinner and I was like, this is just going to be this thing that is like magical at the end of the stay. And then the cat is fucking sitting there on the table eating my dinner. And um, I just like, I'm holding Liam and I just, I just let out like a, <laughs> yeah but that was it like that was that was the extent of it and i just thought to myself like in that moment it's like wow like growing up for me that was a lot worse <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i feel pretty good about that <laughs> that in my worst yeah. moment the the worst that anyone ever got was a <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like you're gonna have to stay vigilant with that. Everyone kind of is constantly being challenged, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think, um, yeah, we. It's kind of on. It's on our generation right now to um, give positive examples of masculinity. Okay. Well, I wanted to transition a little bit into your business. Um, and so how would you describe Fulton Street Music Group? What do you guys do for people? So Fulton Street Music Group is a music licensing company. We represent a roster of independent artists from around the country and pitch their music for placement in TV and film and advertising. And we also produce custom music with them for our clients and in those worlds. Um, but we approach everything from this very um, art first perspective. Um, all the artists that we work with are, um, you know, they, they live their art. Um, where in, you know, that world, more often there are artists who are writing more for the project or or like trying to create a lot of things that are meant for use in that world um and so it can come off a little it can it just can come off a little candor um uh mm -hmm. just not as sincere and so what we do is we look for sincerity first and and authenticity first and then try to provide opportunities for those artists who who authentically represent what they're music is about uh for placement and mm. and film tv ads yeah because the alternative is is sort of sound libraries like stuff like sound that, libraries are... music houses where they have um staff composers who who write to briefs that tell them to sound like other artists and which which y'all will do sometimes too they'll give right? us yeah i mean we'll, we'll get briefs that say you know we're looking for something in this world but when they ask us we go find the people who are in that world we don't ask someone who's not a part of that to yeah yeah to do a sound alike to do a sound alike yeah um well one of the things uh in regards to this i think is an interesting problem is that a lot of the people you work with in on the other side um aren't musicians right and they're and they're seeking music totally so how do you help someone find something or create something that they have a hard time communicating yeah i mean that's want? that is uniquely like my role mm -hmm. in all this is to be a conduit between the 
you know, film, TV, ad world mm -hmm. and the music world. And so, um, um, I like to use a lot of references. I like to, because it's almost like, it's like speaking a different language. Right. And so mm -hmm. it's like, if you, if you go to the grocery store with someone who doesn't speak English and they can't tell you what they want, but they can point it out, mm -hmm. you know? It's kind of like that, <laughs> where, where it's like, oh, I think I like I need something like this, and it's like, oh, cool. If you like this, do you also like this? It's like, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so we'll put together like playlists and references and stuff of of what uh, of what it is that they're going for, um, and just kind of create this musical palette of of things that might serve their project well. Um, we pay a lot of attention to supporting the story and supporting the narrative of, of what it is with something that's going to be really complimentary. So to really understand what it is that they're trying to make. And, to, and that's what they're, they're good at is their, is their, is their story. Is the story. Yeah. 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 And so when we can connect on that level and really understand what it's about, then we can just use our language to tell that story or to support that story. Yeah. I think that that's an interesting interesting challenge to try and serve like a, a client who is like looking for something they and they can't even say what it is yeah that they want. well and w one of the big problems that we face is that um you know when i got started in this that there were some like a lot of our clients came from a background where um they'd been brought up in an environment where they were buying a lot of music and so mm. they had a lot of vernacular for we spoke the same language and and so there was already a shorthand established and then what happened is um at least in, in the advertising side of things and and what i'm finding is like more like across the board um there's not that lineage where that skill set has been passed down or the people who are buying have been brought up in an environment where people are buying music and so they're walking into it saying like i need music but they're coming from like a film or a storytelling background mm -hmm. and what what'll happen is they'll save music for the very end and somewhere along the way they'll just estimate they'll just estimate how much it's going to cost to get that, but not really have much like, you know, it's not rooted in any kind of like reality and, and, you know, in a lot of cases. And so it's like, Oh, this needs to be delivered. Um, a week from now it's going to ship and go to air. Um, we have X amount of money, um, you know, and it needs to be done by this point. And it's like, Whoa, huh. like, why do you why do you think they're sort of disregarding music? Um, because it's a lack of experience, or it's it's a lack of like um, understanding like the role that music plays in in that kind of storytelling. Um, that was one of the things I was going to ask: is uh, why is music important? Yeah, I mean, music tells you how to feel. Mm. Where it's like copy and picture can do it to some extent mm -hmm. but the music is going to be that it's it it's so emotionally driven that mm -hmm. if the music is wrong everything's going to feel wrong which is why like stock music is can really can really like 
shit the bed for a production like so to speak it's just you know if it feels canned if you have this like really genuine story and then you put something that is that sounds cheap or sounds yeah or right exactly just inappropriate Mm -hmm. underneath it um nothing is gonna feel right yeah and so like we're working on a film right now where um uh it's uh it's like a a documentary um and they have all these interviews and the interviews on their own are emotional but if the music is too emotional they're gonna feel it's gonna make the emotional interviews feel disingenuous it's gonna make it feel silly you know it's gonna like they're yeah but if it's too you know if if the emotional tone of it is um, you know, undersells it, then, you know, it's just going to feel, there's this fine needle to thread yeah. with how to support that kind of emotion in a way that makes it feel real. Is that an original music project yeah. or is it? Okay. That would be tough because in some ways, like writing, I feel like is not like a very, uh, I mean, in, in ways it is, it's like precise, you know, but it's also like to write something you do have to kind of throw ideas at the wall. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, totally. Which is why it's like, it's good to have, I mean, it's good to have music options available to you yeah. when you go into an edit, like, um, or even when you're writing a script or if you, mm-hmm. you know, on the, at the sort of precipice of the whole thing, you know, to, to kind of have an idea of what you want it to sound like that really can help shape it to, to kind of throw it on at the end. Oftentimes like that can be kind of a nightmare for a lot of reasons, both, you know, um, like in this case, they had a bunch of music that they had actually cut to in the edit, but it was all temp stuff that they couldn't afford. It was all like from, you know, big motion picture soundtracks. Oh, wow. And, uh, and now we're left in this place where they have cut to that music and we have to replace it. But they're at, they're at the end, they've been working on this for probably, um, if I had to guess like nine months, maybe more. Um, and, and this whole time they've been living with that music. And so, you know, whatever we deliver is going to live in the shadow of what they've been yeah. watching their film to this whole time and thinking like, I'm going to have this. And that score was written for another movie and like yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars were putting in, put into that score. And of course they didn't come with, they didn't come with the budget to do that. Yeah. Well, it's also just, uh, it's attractive to like, uh, and appealing to to behave that way but you're just not doing yourself any favors by laying down those thought patterns and continuing to associate your oh, content with music that you aren't going to be able to use well and the irony of it is what the films that they aspire to be in the world of and the music that goes with those films what the directors and and uh producers of those films did was brought in a composer to do it and i'm sure that they had references as well and so if if you know if we had gotten the references at the beginning when they were just starting to look over the footage getting ready to get into an edit we kind of like this we kind of like this and then brought in a composer at that point it would have been a totally different story and also if on the onset they had budgeted to do it the way that their reference productions had done it mm-hmm. then it would be a different story yeah that makes sense and that's that's true across the board and so and like i don't 
I guess like on the one hand, like I feel like you know, uh, people producing film, TV, ads, like they have to be responsible for for these considerations. And on the other hand, as someone who um, is responsible for providing the service, it is and exists in an industry of other music professionals who are providing that service. It's up to us to make that information available and to educate you know the the people on the buy side of that that you know this is like best practices for that and that's that's been an uphill battle my whole career is to is to show people like this is how you utilize me great music best yeah 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 i mean that's going to be a challenge i think in any sort of industry where they're where you're meeting right like it's like this isn't what we do so we need to hire someone to do this for us um and there's a little bit of a disconnect because they don't do that thing. Yeah. You know? And, and one thing that we do, like I've, I've been writing these case studies at the end of each production that we do and putting them on our website mm. with the, the, the intention being, you know, read through this and see yourself in our shoes. And I don't share the budgets because that information is all under NDA and stuff, but I'll share as literally as much as I can about the production, like the timeline and how we, how we write demos and how we decide who we're going to work with and, you know, booking studios and session players and the whole thing to just kind of illustrate as much as possible so that people who are needing either to license music or to, to, uh, uh, commission original music can see themselves in, in that driver's seat. Well, one thing I've always admired about you since I've met you was how big uh, your community is and how uh, how many people love you. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's one thing I want to ask you about. How do you build community? Um, you got to just genuinely care about people. <laughs> you just got to genuinely love people. <laughs> I think that's my thing is like, even when we first met, like I just remember like I heard you play at a house show. Um, it was Steph, right? Who Steph yeah. they had met you at a bar mm-hmm. and then invited you to come play a house show uh, with, uh, another friend of ours and I was at that show and I loved your songs and then I was just curious what you were doing with them and um, but hearing more about what you were up to and what you were interested in and, and all that um, just got me really excited and so I think like that's kind of my thing is like I love I love people and I love people who get excited about things mm-hmm. about you know their project their art and then like from that moment i'm just like how can we enable this like how can we who do you need to meet to get where you want to go mm-hmm. and that's you know for me that's what the whole community building thing is all about is just like know where people want to go and you know kind of always keep it in mind as you meet new people like oh who would benefit from meeting this person or who would this person benefit from meeting where do you think you started to develop that perspective um that's a good question my like from as a kid my 
aunt, like as like a three-year-old, three, four-year-old, my my aunt would refer to me as the senator. Because <laughs> whenever we'd be out in public, I would just walk up to people and introduce myself. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I don't know. Some part of it is just has just always been there where... Uh, I've just always been attracted to talking to people. Yeah. Um, and it's always been encouraged and it's always sort of been rewarded. Um, yeah. How would you advise um, young and not young artists to approach failure? Ooh, love it. Fucking love it just embrace it just every time you fall flat on your face you just gotta say i'm in the shit and i'm gonna roll in it because one day i'm not gonna be in the shit and i'm gonna look back with this wistful thing like times times at one point were tough and that was uh you know that was a time too and uh because that's what happens right is like we always look back at those those moments and with rosy glasses and so when you're in those yeah. moments you got to embrace it. <laughs> failure yeah. is a beautiful thing. And, and, uh, just because failure means learning failure, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you don't fuck up, it's like your golf swing, you know, mm -hmm. every well, time you, you don't do it right. It teaches you something about doing it right. That's true. And to take it back kind of full circle to where we were before, um, and when we started, how would you, uh, how would you approach the emotional impact of failure? Because um, it's not just it's not just push through it and be no. super stoic either. No, it's know? not. No, I, I mean, and I think like you gotta you gotta be kind to yourself. <laughs> I think that's a huge <laughs> part of it. It's like you have to be nice to yourself. You can't like I. One thing that I've I've gotten I've become like really big on is is positive self talk. Um, like words have power. Words have words have unbelievable power. And the words that you mm -hmm. use on your like negative words are are curses, and they have very visceral. Uh, impact yeah um and so when you when you wield that weapon against yourself it's it can be really damaging <laughs> and so being 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 conscious of the way that you talk to yourself especially as an artist like you know do you say like oh you idiot like i can't oh you're such a fucking idiot yeah. you know if you if you talk to yourself like that you're i mean you're wounding yourself yeah yeah, your brain is uh, is listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a huge component of imposter syndrome, to be honest. And like, imposter mm. syndrome is like the it's. I mean, we all we all. If yeah. you're doing anything creative, you battle it. There's just no getting around that. But that self talk element of it is is huge because if all if through if all along the way in your learning process and your your failure and success ebb and flow every time you're on the ebb you cut yourself down then you're giving you're giving voice to that imposter syndrome you know hmm. you're giving you're giving fuel to that and there's also a weird phenomenon too is like how ungrounded you can become and vulnerable you can become when you succeed 
too. Yeah. And you have to be careful. <laughs> yeah. About not fucking shit up there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, so um, t- this is great because uh, to, to round back on the masculinity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I swim at the YMCA around the corner from my house every morning. And I swim with, with two gentlemen who are two decades older than I am. And they're both faster than I am. Mm-hmm. They kick my ass every morning. It's a very humble way to start my day. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, one is uh, in his uh, late 40s, the other is in his uh, late 50s mm-hmm. and, or mid-50s. And, um, and then there's a number of other gentlemen that I've met over the course of the past year, year and a half that I've been swimming there who are yet older than that. And um, they're great. They're really encouraging. Like we, it's a very social thing, you know, swimming together and, um, uh, but you know, we all talk about what's going on in our personal lives and stuff. And so when I'm feeling good about what's happening in my personal life or the business or different opportunities that come up, I, I share them and they tend to be very encouraging, hmm. but I'll catch myself. Like if I'm feeling really gassed up and I'm just like, and this cool thing is happening in my life and this cool thing. And it's especially like, it's especially, um, noticeable for me because I'm the only one doing what I do. Like, <laughs> around here it's not like being in new york where everyone is doing something sort of worldly you know like i'm here working on you know things that are playing on national broadcast television or you know streaming services around the world or Mm -hmm. whatever and and working with clients internationally and stuff and the guys that i swim with they both work at the hospital um, mm-hmm. but in general, there's not, I mean, this was why I had to leave in high school was like, if I wanted to do this work, I couldn't do it here. There's yeah. no one doing what I'm doing around. And so when I'm sharing my successes, it can feel especially boastful. Yeah. And in those moments, I've had some moments where like, I'll share things that are just like my victories and I'll feel really gross about it after. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of what we were starting to talk about before we, we hit record here mm. is, uh, is divorcing yourself from the results of your actions. And that's a, that's a constant challenge. <laughs> mm. Yeah. The, the, I've been struggling with uh, sort of trying to separate self-worth from outcome lately uh because the way i pump myself back up would be to work on something to make something to get a good workout in to like have a just but it's but it's action yeah reps you know it's the yeah, reps and the and it's i know it's not just action that you that you develop your sense of self-worth from yeah so there's this weird little balancing act here where it's like yeah you have to do stuff you need to be a good person. You need to create things. Yeah. You should probably do things for other people too. Yeah. Um, but at some point you have to find a way to to love yourself and find value in yourself without that too. Yeah. I mean I, I'm I, I'm not sure how to strike that balance <laughs> just yet. Yeah. I feel like consistency over time is like it's the hard answer, but it's I think it's kind of the answer. It's like mm. 
you know, it's that's why I love swim is mm. like consistency over time in the pool, you know, the swimmer that I am now versus the swimmer I was a year ago is night and day difference, but it took 365 days of almost daily like reps and you learn to just kind of love the process. It's the same thing with songwriting or any other creative thing where just yeah. showing up every day with the intention of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for a set amount of time. And I'm going to be here to like one thing that I say a lot in sessions now when we step into a room to make something, especially if like it's a bigger production or like we're going to, we're going to go to the studio with the intention of making something or if I'm working on a record and we've been in pre-production for months or whatever, then when we step into the studio, what I say is, um, we're not here to make it. We're here to receive it. Mm. And I feel that way about the showing up thing and doing the reps thing too is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, a good point. I think it's, it's always surprising to me like how weird humans are and it's like why are we all about like habits and like patterns and like sometimes life can just feel so like like why is it hard like why does it have to be hard yeah (laughs) like what the fuck especially when you do the easy stuff it feels worse you know yeah like so that's also mind fuck too I think it's about finding the joy in the in the repetition, which is the yeah. frustration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta learn to love the things that can kind of suck to get started. <laughs> yeah, and you're better off for that if you can develop that. And I think that that uh, Liam will be uh, better off for that if you can. I hope so. That, you know? I hope so. I think about that a lot and like just finding, cause I, I mean, and, and I like that too is like, it comes on down to, you know, the, that like the language around it and the outlook upon it. Like when you have to do something that sucks, like, do you, do you, do you demean it as much as possible before you do it? Like, yeah. Do you make it more painful in the moment? Right you know because that that is real too the way you're talking to yourself while you're doing the thing you don't want to do oh yeah you know can't even receive it or i mean i am i have we everyone has that like those things that they just hate to do and they avoid doing at all costs and the way that you talk about doing those things to yourself before doing them and the way that it feels when you actually do them is a night and day and it's always like it's like wow that really wasn't as bad i made that into an absolute fucking monster in my head yeah yeah i think that that's really um it's an interesting thing that we as humans do and i'm not really sure why we do it you keep saying we as humans and it's making me it's making me question are you question whether i'm a human (laughs) (laughs) is this like the uh, humans uh I thought that was the first time I said we as humans, but I'm sure I'll figure <laughs> like it out when times. I go back and edit, edit what, this um, over and over. It's like the Steve Buscemi meme where it's like... <laughs> we as aliens, I mean. What is the, what is the Steve Buscemi meme? The Steve Buscemi meme where it's like, I too, uh, you know, us teenagers or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like playing the back of time the skateboard. <laughs> I wouldn't we be humans. too surprised if I was uh, an alien, Alex. Um, yeah, I'm just is kidding. Steve Buscemi so. also an alien? No, he's a child. Oh, okay, 
as a teenager. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I definitely think that we're in like this weird era of like intense self-reflection. Mm. Um, and so it's interesting that all these sorts of conversations are coming up right now because it yeah. seems to be tr- we're trying to s- to solve the problem of life being a challenge yeah you know but yeah there's also this other aspect of it is like well sometimes the challenge is what makes uh the the action worthwhile right, right. yeah i saw this thing recently it, uh uh where it was about like people of our generation um getting pumped up on hustle porn um and then and then like you know by the end of the day being like really emotional like i don't want to be like that like yeah that stuff's not real and it's like i feel like you know both of those things are true and also like if every time if every time you see someone be like let's fucking go like i'm gonna be the best and stuff yeah. you're like that's unhealthy like i feel like that's suck as well like yeah. you gotta you gotta embrace both sides of the coin there and mm-hmm. and recognize that like the sort of pump up is like necessary that, that, <laughs> necessary it can totally be a healthy thing yeah. <laughs> So it's like that's why I love hip hop. Like that's why I love like yeah. working with hip hop artists and stuff. It's because everything's like I'm gonna be the fucking best. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlike uh, rock artists, self-deprecating. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I think I'm gonna try and catch this uh, sunset before Ooh. it's all gone. Sunset. I'm uh, enjoying that. Uh, you know, sometimes it's like, oh shit, that we we lost an hour. But I I got home from the gym today. I was like, oh, sun's pretty high in the sky right now. This is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to a little bit more light. That's uh, awesome. In the day. How yeah. how's it? Is it pretty dark over there? It's oh yeah, sunset sunset probably two hours ago, but it's starting to get lighter. It's it's getting better. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go out and bask in the sun. It was freezing cold. It snowed yesterday bomb cyclone oh, really? yep oh shoot but yeah but uh no, cool man well thanks for coming on where, thanks for uh, having where me. can people find more about you and and fsmg my company is fulton street music group we're on instagram and linkedin and facebook and all that uh on instagram we're at fsmg underscore nyc is in new york city and then i am uh, best place to see me on the internet is also Instagram. I am at Duke Heckum. Like Heckum. What Duke does that Nukem? mean, by the way? It's okay. like Duke Nukem, but <laughs> yeah. Heckum. Yeah, like, Heckum. that's that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, anytime someone tells you you can't do, do something. You say Heckum. Heckum. Love it. Well, Alex, thanks so much, dude. It was good talking to you. Good talking to you, too. I look forward to more of it soon. Sounds good. Well, that was pretty special, wasn't it? Thank you guys so much for listening. I want to officially announce that we have the official at Make My Day Instagram handle. So go ahead and follow me over there. Going to do a bunch of fun stuff on that. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Be well. Wake up in the morning, make you two sloppy eggs. Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread. Have a cup of joe and the 
next thing that you know, it's time for you to hit the road. Make my day. I like it in the morning. Make my day. And even in the afternoon. Make my day. Sometimes in the Words have unbelievable power.